Um, this year we're doing this, this little holiday series called Like a Child. Um, it's based off these, let me read these words to you. So this is a heavy way to start, but let's just jump right in, okay? It's based off these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. He's, he's talking, he's using a child as an illustration, and he says this in verse 4, Matthew 18, 4. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Um, the verse just before that, he said, unless you become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven, which I know is a really, that's a heavy way to start the service. Like, okay, be like a child or don't go to heaven, right? Um, but we think about like a child, we kind of think about Christmas. There's probably not a better season of the year that makes us think children than Christmas. Um, something, and I, I, don't, I use the word magic, I don't, don't go nuts on me if you're like, Ooh, we don't believe in magic, I'm just in quotes, okay? So something about Christmas seems kind of magical, doesn't it, when you're a kid? And then the trick is, as you get older, to, to not lose that, right? But how many of you are just like, yeah, you get older, you kind of you lose some of that magic. I wish I could be a kid again. So this is kind of what we're talking about. How do we become like a child? And at this time of year, when people are just all excited, full of hope, they're laughing, they're, they're singing Christmas, Christmas songs, even if they can't sing well, they're just into it. Like, everybody kind of wants to recapture that magic. How do we do that? How, how do we enjoy Christmas, which is definitely a time for children, but also a time for the young at heart? Just out of curiosity, how many of you are young at heart? Everybody that was young should have raised their hand, right? Because you have a young heart. Um, how do we do that? So we're taking five weeks and we're examining what would our lives look like if we could be like a child. Now this is very important. We're not saying what would our lives be like if we could be childish, but childlike. Um, we don't want to confuse those two. Some of you are sitting next to somebody right now. They're your spouse. And you're like, quit being so childish, right? Grow up. But how do we become childlike? That's the question we want to hopefully, as we go through this series, it'll make more sense. Last week, Eugene started, um, he talked about how we can love like a child. Um, children, if we, could, if we could pick one word, how do children love, it would be, I'd say, unconditionally, right? doesn't really matter um, if your parents are jerks. I mean, as you get older, you go to counseling to deal with this, right? But when you're a child, if your parents are jerks or whatever, you still, you love them. They're the best ever. Um, we just, children just have this knack for loving unconditionally. No matter what happens, it, it, they just keep coming back for more, which m makes children precious and vulnerable all at the same time, right? So today, we want to ask this question. How can I live like a child? And we, we got, if Jesus is saying, unless I become like a child, I can't enter the kingdom, how, how do we live like, like a child? Jesus said this, You'll never enter the kingdom unless you see things like a child. Here, here's, I'm going to give you a big idea right up front, okay? So you can jot this down on top of your sheet and don't listen to anything else I say. How many of you are excited now, right? You're like, yeah, one sentence, I can just tune you out. I got my iPod and my earbuds, here we go. Here's your big idea. Being like a child, if we want to live like a child, how can we live like a child? How can we be like a child? Being like a child starts with seeing like a child. There's just something about kids, right? The way that they see the world, the way that they process information. If Jesus wants us to become like little children, then we've got to start to see things the way kids see things, right? Makes sense. So this morning, I'm going to give you five lenses. You've already got it on your sheet. Five ways that children see the world. Five ways that they live. These are lenses that they look through um, that 
it's going to be a lot to take in. Um, here's what I, I would ask you to do, okay? While we walk through these, they're not all five going to really speak to you probably, but I bet one or two could. Man, when, when that one happens, when you're like, now that's the one I need, man, just put a just asterisk next to that on your sheet. Just you and God, okay? Like, God, this is the one that I need. Let's just jump right in. Here's number one. Children live honestly, don't they? Children live honestly. I thought maybe the word unfiltered is better there because I don't know that, this, that children try to be honest. They just say what's in their head, right? For good or for bad. I, I found this story of a dad who was hanging out at home with his five-year-old son, and the son said, hey, dad, where's mom? And the dad said, mom's at a Tupperware party. And the, the kid was like, oh, okay. He came back later and said, uh, dad, what's a Tupperware party? And so the dad's thinking, like, I should just be straight and clear. And so here's what the dad said. He said, well, Brian, a Tupperware party is when a group of ladies sit around and sell plastic bowls to each other. The five-year-old nodded, started laughing, and said, no, really, Dad, seriously, what is it? <laughs> huh, not to rag on you people that collect Tupperware without the tops. Um, I brought some pictures, too. These are some images. We'll just kind of go through these one at a time. These are things that kids actually, they, they wrote these down. I love these. Here's the first one. Dear Tooth Fairy, I love money and all, but may I please have a pack of bacon instead? <laughs> and all the men in the house said, <laughs> amen, right? These are just things that kids say and write. I love this. Dear Tooth Fairy, I don't know what it is with the tooth. I lost my tooth on the 23rd of October. Now it's November 12th. I lost my tooth and pizza. I lost both today. You owe me a dollar not to be hard, but I need the money. <laughs> it's like parents, adults, we would be like buttering up the Tooth Fairy, right? You're the best fairy ever. I just really like you and just in hopes of getting my Kids just like, dude, I'm out a buck. I need a buck, okay? I'm struggling here. Let's, let's, a couple more. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> Thank you, Nan. Right? These are great. Dear Frankie, I earn money at home. By I don't, I am a freeloader. <laughs> Kids are just honest and, and unfiltered, and we have a few more. Dear Rachel, you are the second best teacher ever. <laughs> Dear Sam, sorry for weeing on your jumper from Joseph. If you ever wee on somebody's jumper, make sure you write them a note. Do we have any more? Is that the last one? That's the last one. Kids, man, you're like, why is it over? Let's do more of those, right? Kids are great. They just say the truth. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's hilarious. They just say what's on their mind. Maybe you heard the joke about the kid who was in the grocery store, and um, this, this lady started, she was, she was healthier, you know, and she, she started backing up, and then her beeper starts going off, and the kid's like, look out, she's going to blow, right? I mean, that's, that's bad stuff, right? But kids say that stuff all the time. So I don't know that God wants us to be like a child and be blunt and brutal with the truth, right? But I do think that God wants us to be about the truth. A couple verses that you can jot down. Proverbs 16, 13 says this. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. I know that's talking about kings on earth, but Jesus, God, he's a king. He values honesty. 
He values truth. Ephesians 4.15 says this, We speak truth in love in order to benefit the body. If we're going to live like a child, then we've got to live honestly like a child. If I ask you this question, just, and you can ask yourself this question about every one of these five lenses that we'll talk about. If, huh, I'm glad this doesn't happen in my life, but if I could walk around with you all week long and watch you live, at the end of the week, would I say that you live honestly like a child? Just to make it fair, if you could follow me around all week long, at the end of that week, would you say about me, yeah, Paul, he, he lives honestly like a child. Children live honestly. Here's number two. Children live in the moment. I read about a young couple. If you're a, if you're a new parent, um, you'll relate to this. They had a child. Um, she was about two years old. And they didn't get to go out much because, you know, they're young parents when the child is two years old. And one night they got to go on a date. And so as they were getting ready to go out on the date, they're saying goodbye to their two-year-old. And the, the babysitter's there. And, like, the two-year-old doesn't want them to go. And so the babysitter has to pry the two-year-old off and then hold her. Cl- and the, she's crying. And they're, like, going out, of the, at the, out and getting in the car. And if you've ever been in that situation as a parent, you're just like, forget the date, man. Let's just hang out with our daughter. She's brokenhearted. We're going to have to pay for counseling. Her whole life is going to be jacked up, right? But they, they force themselves to back down the driveway. And as they're backing down the driveway, the husband's like, oh, man, I forgot my wallet. And so he pulls back up real quiet-like, you know, and he gets out of the car and kind of closes it softly, starts to open the door, and in the backyard he hears laughter. And his, he peeks behind, and his two-year-old is running through the yard and just having a blast and playing with the, the, the babysitter and just loving life. So he went and got his wallet and left and went out, right? And what he realized was this, and kids live in the moment. Now, that moment of saying goodbye was rough. Like, oh, I want you to go. But once they're gone, hey, let's play. All right? It doesn't change when they're teenagers, does it? I mean, we won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, like, your parents were like, please, no, don't go, Mom, don't, don't go away for a week, Mom and Dad, don't go. Hey, let's party, right? <laughs> they live in the moment. Man, kids are so good at living in the moment. What a great lens to see life through. If we live like a child, we're going to be able to master the ability to make the most of the moments that we're in instead of regretting the moments that we were in or fearing the moments that we may be in. You know when people can't live in the moment when this happens. You're having a conversation with them, and they're checking their phone, and they're watching the cars behind. Now, okay, if you're talking to somebody that has ADHD, it's possible that they, they still like you. They just can't focus on you, right? Man, like, I'm a little bit like that, easily distracted. So, and this drives my wife crazy because she needs to get in touch with me. If she needs to get, but if I'm having lunch with you, you'll watch me pull my phone out and turn it face down because I don't want to be distracted. I'm trying to learn how to be in the moment. Man, kids, they can do that. They're able to be in the moment. The great thing about these two, let me give you two verses. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, Paul talks about, I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about, I'm not really focused on what's behind me. 
I'm going to push towards what's ahead of me. I'm in a moment here, and I'm going to give God what I can give him right now. I'm not worried about back there. I'm going to eventually get there. Here's where I am right now. Ephesians chapter 5, 16. If you have the King James Bible, which a lot of people don't have that anymore, what you'll read in Ephesians 5, 16 is, it says, therefore, let us redeem the time. And here's what that means. Make the most of this moment. And so many times we're so miserable in this moment because this moment isn't that moment. Well, this is not nearly as good as it was then. And I probably not as good as it's going to be over there. And we get so miserable here. Man, God says in Ephesians 5.16, redeem this time. I don't know if anybody on the planet is better at redeeming moments than kids. They just have this knack. No matter how bad that one was or whatever might be coming there, they just make the most of that time. If we're going to live like children, not childish, but if we're going to live like children, we've got to be people that can redeem the time. And it's not just about redeeming this time. It's about redeeming past mistakes, redeeming present choices, redeeming future plans. Think about the word redeem. When I think of the word redeem, I either think of gift cards that I've forgotten about that may not help me anymore, or I think of the cross, one of those two things. At the cross, Jesus redeemed us. He's always redeeming. And he looks for children who can, as well, redeem every situation. Let the cross speak to your past. Some of us in here today, that's all you need to hear. You can just tune me out. Let the cross redeem your past. Let the cross redeem now. Every choice you're looking at, every choice you're making, who am I going to marry? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? What am I going to do with this person that I married? (laughs) Every choice you're making, let the cross redeem that. Let the cross redeem your future. Don't worry about it. Jesus has got that. And when we're living like kids, we live in the moment. And when we do that, we find ourselves freed up to be all in now because God's got everything else. Do you live in the moment like a child? Are you redeeming? Are you making the most of the moments that you have? Number three, live simply. Children live simply. Um, they are uncluttered. They're uncomplicated. They're free. I love that. When you think about, like, in in your worst days as an adult, right, which is, like, the bill-paying day or the day before the family reunion or maybe the day after the family reunion, depending on how crazy your family is, on your worst day as an adult, on my worst day as an adult, what I typically find myself saying to God is, I'd give anything to be a kid again. Because something about being a kid, you're just like, let's just kick our shoes off and go play in the yard barefoot. And even if you step in dog poo, who cares? Right? Kids don't have bills to pay. They're just simple. And we complicate things. Let me give you two visual examples. Now, listen, I'm going to put some things up on the screen. If you know the answer, don't say them out loud. Just sit there and take pride in the fact that you're smarter than everybody else in the room, okay? But don't say them out loud. So here's two examples. Here's number one. These are, these are riddles that most adults will get wrong and most kids will get right. I'll give you a second here. What is greater than God? More evil than the devil. The poor have it. The rich need it. And if you eat it, you'll die. 
Most of the time, if you say that to an adult, they won't get it. You say it to a kid, they're like, they say the answer, which is nothing. Because we complicate it, right? Here's another one. So this is an identical bus. It looks exactly the same. If you could step on that bus and press the gas pedal, which way is the bus going to go, left or right? Don't say out loud, just think. I'm just watching the room to see if smoke's coming out of your ears yet. What's crazy about this is most kindergartners will get this right. Immediately they'll say the right answer, which is left. How many of you said left? Lucky guess. One. Actually, not lucky for you because I know you. And the reason why most adults don't get it is because adults don't ride buses a lot, but kids do. And so the kids look at that picture and right away they go, oh, there's not a door on this side. It must be on the other side. Which means when you push the gas, it's going to be going to the left because that's the front of the bus. Adults, listen, I don't know what happens to us as we get older, but we complicate everything. Kids are simple. They are uncomplicated. Sometimes we're guilty, and, and I hate to say it, it's just true. Sometimes we're guilty of thinking that cynicism is a mark of maturity. I've told you that when Winnie and I first got married... We would, you know, just run into couples and they'd be like, oh, y'all look so happy. Yeah, we are. Oh, you must be newlyweds. Oh, you must be poorly married. You're like, what? I plan on being happy with my wife well beyond being a newlywed, right? You ever shared your dream as a kid with an adult and they're just like, oh, that's so cute. And they turn to the other adults and go, but they'll grow up someday. We somehow have thought that cynicism is a mark of maturity. It's not. God never called you to be a cynic. As a matter of fact, he called you to have mature thinking, not manure thinking. I love that. That's why it stinks to be around some people, right? <laughs> Philippians 4.8 says this, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, think on these things. Listen, God does not need critics you don't need critics God needs children who simply live because they see the world uncomplicated and simple it means when we live simply like children we're able to discern more easily what matters most we're able to cut through the distractions focus on the necessary jot down Hebrew, Hebrews 12 1 through 2 it says this it says therefore let us throw off everything that hinders all the sin that entangles us. Have you ever watched kids that were in the winter season? The winter here in the south lasts about two weeks. But, you know, whatever, we're in that winter season. And you get your kids all bundled up, right? Get them all bundled up. They got the toboggan with the little ball on top. It's bouncing around. They got the mittens or the gloves. They get all that on. And you go, have fun. And how long are they wearing that when they get outside? Two minutes at the most, right? Because what they realize is, I can't throw a really good snowball with these gloves on. And this thing is constricting. And they're having the time up, and you're going like, put your coat on! I can't play good with that coat. I mean, kids, they, they don't taste any, they don't waste any time. Just throw it off. They want to be simple. They want to be uncomplicated. They want to be free. I love that about kids. I said, God wants that for us. He wants you 
and I know that you're gonna, you can push back on this a little bit inside, okay? Don't throw things at me, but you can push back on this a little bit. He wants you to be able to grow up as an adult to see the world. I know it's complicated. I'm not being naive. I know there's stuff that goes on that Facebook. It's complicated. Thing is real. But he wants us to grow up as kids, and he wants us to be able to see the world with all of his complexity and still say this, my dad's got that. He's got that. I don't know how he's going to work it out. I'm not going to waste my time or energy figuring it out because I can't. But my dad has got that. That's what God's looking for. Are you living with the lens of simplicity or have you grown cynical and complicated? Number four, children live with wonder. They live with wonder. Picasso said this, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once he grows up. Children live with this wonder. Um, I love this about, about my kids. Will's the best at this. Will, like if I walked in his room and he was like, you know, four or five years old and he's, he's in the bed, we're going to go in there and have prayers at night. And he'd like be, he'd have a string, right? And he's just like playing with that string. I'm like, dude, what is that? It's a string, right? Oh, man, this is like the weapon that's going to defeat the army of evil that's attacking the world. And I've got the power. Wonder, man. Kids live with wonder. They live with imagination. I love it when kids just get fascinated with something. They can't take their eyes off of it. You know, it's, unless it's me, then it's really awkward, right? It's like, look away, please. Or a booger in their finger. That's also a little awkward, too. But whatever. And like, when they really get fascinated. And, and there's been times as an adult that you've done this. First date. Couldn't take your eyes off of her. You're fascinated. My wedding day, Wendy popping through the back of the door at the church. I was like, oh, snap. <sighs> Come on, baby. Mm. Don't mix me up with some other man. You're coming to me. Come on, just keep walking. <sighs> Even as adults, there's times we do that. They're just rare, aren't they? God wants us to be full of wonder. He wants you to look at a world and wonder. Um, I'm not making a turn to scriptures, but I do want you to turn here. Turn to um, Psalm 8. Now, this is a grown, I loved it last week. Eugene's like, I'm a grown man. I love it. This is a grown man that's writing this psalm, okay? He's a king. Psalm 8. This is David. He's writing this. Honestly, I'm not sure if he was a king when he wrote it, but he's going to be a king eventually. Here's what he says. Just listen to the wonder and the awe in this psalm. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Listen to verse 3. When I consider your heavens. Now here's, here's King David, right? He's like got I don't know, the chisel and the rock or whatever he's writing with at that point, right? He's laying out on the stars and think he was a shepherd. He's been in these situations, right? Or he's just looking up at the heavens. And he's not going, it's probably just a bunch of gas. There's no God. It's probably just some big boom, and there it was. He says this, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, 
the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Do you see how when we wonder about God, it just naturally puts us in our place? I don't mean it in a bad way, but he's like, what am I? Now, I don't mean like, you know, people in your life that have a poor self-image and so they sound like Eeyore all the time. I just won the lottery. Everything's terrible. Jesus loves me, this I know. Dude, shut up, right? I'm talking about people that just understand, like, you are God and I am not, and that is good. It's good to know our place. We wonder about all this. And he said, who am I? Maybe it's a little bit lower than the angels. He said, you made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Now he's talking about Jesus to come. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Man, let me tell you something. God wants you as his child to live with wonder. He wants you to imagine. He wants you to dream. This is the God who inspired a man named Paul to write a letter to a church in Ephesus to include Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says this, that my God can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. So if we're not imagining anything, we're not giving God any way to blow our minds. Now, some days, I have to admit, I just have fun with God. I do stuff like, God, some days I just imagine that I'm a rock star. I imagine that I caught the winning touchdown pass for the only game that the Panthers will win the rest of the season. And I, I, sometimes I just imagine that that check's got five more zeros on the end of it. Right? I mean, sometimes I just mess with God. Sometimes, God, I just, I imagine that Taurus is really not a Taurus. God, I just imagine that Taurus is really not a Taurus. Okay, God, I re- you know, sometimes mess with him. But here's the thing. You've got a dream. You've got something. There's not one person in this room that woke up this morning and said, today I hope I can be average. Some of you right now, if, we're, if you're really honest, you're going, I'd kind of like to get out of here so I can get on with the stuff that I think is important. And I'm cool with that if you don't think this is important. But what's important is you've got things in your life that you dream about. And as God's child, he actually wants you to do that. He wants you to dream. Some of you right now, well, if you just could imagine anything, anything, You would imagine a relationship has been reconciled. You would imagine that when you lay your your head on the pillow tonight, you will not feel the guilt that you felt last night. You imagine a life free from the control of that addiction. And how dare we be cynical and grow up and start to say to God, you can't do that. He says, I can do better than what you can ask or imagine. Let's throw restraint out the window. Let's, be, let's let the bigness of who our Father is blow the lid off of what we believe is possible. When I was a young child going to the Methodist church, 
We used to sing this song a lot when I didn't understand and appreciate the words. But we'd sing this. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the, the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees and skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my father's world. The birds their carols raise, the morning light, the lily white declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems all so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died will be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Do you live with the wonder of a child? Do you dream of the possibilities of what God can do in your life? Or do you despair in past regret? Last one. Children live boldly. Children live honestly. Children live in the moment. Children live simply. Children live with wonder. And finally, children live boldly. Children will approach their parents no matter what, no matter where, for any reason. I was, um, we were in Atlanta, we had gone down to see Jesus Culture, and they were having this um, seminar that Saturday, and the, the speaker's up on the platform, and he's doing all the talking, because he's the big stuff, right? And as he's talking, everybody kind of, their heads, I just watched all the heads just turn this way, because over here, like on the steps going up to the stage was like this little three or four year old girl, she just walked up on the stage, kind of like, what's going on? She walked over to him, like there's like a thousand people in, this, in the auditorium. And he looked over, oh, he started smiling. He picked her up and he said, this is my daughter, it's your birthday. So we sang happy birthday to her. You know, here's the thing. <laughs> Adults, if that was us, we would have done this. We would have sat in our chair and thought, oh, my, he's talking. Can I go up there right now? I'll probably, get, I'll probably get in trouble. It's my birthday. I really want to see my dad. Oh, I can't go up there now. Did she think like that? She just went. There's my dad. I want to go give him a hug. Here we go. <laughs> you know? Kids are like that. They're just bold. They don't care. They just, man, they just want their dad. They bypass protocol, and they go to him. This is basically what was happening in Mark chapter 10. You can just jot this down. Mark chapter 10, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and people are there. And so people start going to their kids, go see Jesus, go see Jesus. Here, Jesus, take my kid. It's like a big political event, right? And I'll kiss everybody. Just go see Jesus and all the disciples because they're adult and smart and wise. They're like, stop. Leave the master alone. And Jesus to his disciples, stop being jerks. So let the children come to me. Man, kids just bypass protocol. That's one reason why, no, it drives people crazy probably, but like as a pastor, I love having kids in the church. I mean, I wish we could keep them on here all the time. Just it might drive y'all crazy, but I just think it's great because kids will, like, again, they'll say anything at any time. They don't care. And there's just something about that that's so natural and refreshing and so much like how we're supposed to be with God that I love that. Kids are bold. Jesus' reaction was this, unless you receive the kingdom like a child, you won't enter it. How do kids receive the kingdom? That's the question, right? So if Jesus is saying things like, if you don't do this, you won't receive the kingdom, I'd like to know the answer to this question because I want to make sure I'm getting the kingdom. How do kids receive the kingdom? 
How did children receive the kingdom? I think they receive it with boldness. I think that kids know with audacity this, that their acceptance by Jesus has more to do with Jesus than with them. Let me say that again because some of us are wrestling with that right now. Kids know that they're accepted by Jesus because of Jesus more than because of them. So many times we think, man, I'm just not worth it. I'm not worthy. Don't, don't you know what I've done? God, if you really knew who I was. And kids are just like, let me at them. It's my dad. Two, two scriptures for you to jot down. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 And we're going to wrap up. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 says this. In him, in Jesus, and through faith in him, Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 4, 16 says, therefore, let us approach the throne with confidence. Some versions say, let us approach, let's boldly approach the throne. Now, why would we ever boldly approach the throne? Well, because I'm good. Because I'm all that. Because look at me. I, I, I'm handsome. I've got muscles under the big shirt that I'm wearing right now, so you can't see them. I mean, I, I mean, when I show up, the king's going to be like, Paul, what's up? No. If it's on me, I'm never boldly approaching any throne. But it's on Jesus. Like what he did on the cross. He made a way for me to boldly approach the throne. And if I'm going to live like a child, then I'm going to boldly approach my father. How he wants his kids to be. Anytime, anywhere. Are you living boldly before your father who loves you regardless of what you've done? All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, so I ask you to put an asterisk beside the one or two that might speak to you the most. There's a lot here to think about. A lot for you to process. Um, in just a minute, we're going to have communion together. And that's a great time for you to just kind of close your eyes and think through what we've talked about. Go, okay, God, which of these is the one that you're really putting your finger on right now for me? But before we do that, can I just share just a little bomb that God dropped on me this week? Is that cool? Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll share it anyway. So as I'm preparing for the message, I read, I read Matthew 18, 1 through 4. Let me read it to you again, and then I'll tell you what God showed me. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked him, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had, them stand, had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Here's, here's what God showed me. This week, I read that like a lot of you, and the first thing that I think is, I need to try harder to be like a kid. Paul just talked about see, the ones I can remember simplicity um, in the moment. See, something in there about like people backing up and blowing up. Uh oh, honesty, yeah. And we think like we're looking at the sheet going, I need to work harder at that, right? I mean, if, if you're going to be honest, you've already thought that a couple times. I could be better at that. I read that and I realized this is a spiritual thing, not a Dr. Phil thing. And here's how I know. Because Jesus said, and I don't know why I've never seen this before. I tell you the truth, 
unless you change and become like little children. Do you know what change is? That word literally means turn. Like if you read the Gospels, when they'll say, and Jesus turned from this crowd to talk to this crowd, that's the word. We forget about that. That's the gospel. Like, it's not possible to change. There's nothing in me that's going to want to live like a child. I can't try harder. I can't look better. And if I do, it's just going to last for a little bit. The only way this stuff's going to happen is Jesus says, and, and he's talking to his disciples. Like, these are people that are following him. He goes, unless you change and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom. Let me ask you this question with your eyes closed and your head bowed. Have you changed? Have you said to God in your heart, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Like the best I have to offer you is not this. God, I need you to change me. I need to turn. I need to repent. I need to trust you. Jesus said, unless you change and become like little children. So that... The one or two or maybe three, if you're like me and it's the wrong day, all five that you put a star next to. <laughs> that thing, that, that quality that you need to develop more in your life, all that I can tell you is this, and, and I probably don't do it as well as most preachers do. All I can do is point you to Jesus. All that I can tell you is you can't do that without Jesus. I'm not asking you to respond to yourself I'm not asking you to work it up. I'm not asking you to get on Google and go to Amazon and find a self-help book that can help you be more honest. I'm asking you this. Are you willing to follow Jesus and accept the gospel in your life? Just take a moment and ask your father to help you see yourself clearly. Lord, I pray right now for clarity in this room. I pray that you would help us to examine ourselves, not so we can get all jacked up over it and wallow in it. And, you know, God, we don't want, this is not a regret or condemnation. This is simply about children looking to their father and asking a question, am I changing? Has the gospel penetrated who I am to the point that though I might not be perfect, I'm, I can see change. We're too cynical. We're, we're too prideful. We're a lot of things that you don't want us to be. And they're de- deep in us, God. And, and right now, for me, maybe it's just for me, God, those words are just ripping me up. Unless I change first and become like a child. And the only way that we can change is to invite you as our king to change us. And so if that's you this morning, 
Maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been following Jesus for years. If that's you this morning and there's something amazing about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, conviction and condemnation can make us feel the same way, but condemnation will always make you drop your head in shame. Conviction will always make you raise your head to Jesus. And you're feeling that conviction right now? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me this morning. I need to change in some areas. I need to turn. There needs to be change in areas of my life. I appreciate that. Anybody else? It's just you and God. It's, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. This is just you and him right now. And it's good to be honest before we come take communion, right? You can just put your hands back down when you raise them. Thank you. So like a child, can we wrap this up by living in the moment? Okay? Don't think for a second, will I actually do this when I walk out of here? Let's live in this moment when he has, by his grace and kindness, convicted you of something. And just right now in your own words, if it's just a whisper because you don't want anybody else to know, if it's just in your heart, would you just tell him, your father, thank you for convicting me. God, I'm sorry. I ask for your forgiveness in my life in this area. God, I ask that you would get rid of cynicism. I don't want to be a manure-thinking person. I just want to be mature. I I want to see the world with wonder. I want to know that whatever I'm facing, no matter how complicated it is, I've got a dad who can take care of that. You restore things, God. You are a God who restores. No matter how jacked up our worlds are, you can restore them. And right now in this moment, I pray that you would solidify that in our hearts, especially those of us that raise our hands. We need you desperately, God, to come in like our Father and love us in this moment. Thank you. Thank you, God. And we just boldly, like kids, accept it. We don't understand it. It makes no sense to us. We still feel like maybe we should have to do some kind of payment plan to, get, to make us feel better for all the bad stuff we did. But the cross says no. The cross says no. The cross says that it was enough what Jesus did. And so like kids, we just accept it. Thank you, God. Help us to live that way. In your name, Jesus. Amen.